Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Billy Epperhart, and on this show, you're going to hear from industry leaders in business, real estate, and investing. Our Wealth Builder coaches and myself are excited to teach you how to make sense of making money for making a difference. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm Karen Conrad Metcalf. I'm Vice President of Wealth Builders, and I'm so grateful that you joined us today. We've got a really great topic that we're going to be sharing today, and it's called Leading Well in Your Business. And I am joined by the one and only David oh Metcalf. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> With the one and only Karen. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I'm really happy about this uh, time together and uh, with this group. It's such a good topic. It's a great topic. You know, even if we don't own a business, we are leaders. And these are principles that are very helpful in just understanding how to lead um, the biblical principles to leadership. And Dave, you're one of the best leaders that I have ever met. And so I feel like we've got a very good source here to help us. And I uh, just want to remind everybody that we do have the Wealth Builders Conference that's coming up in February of 2024. I think it's going to be the best yet. Mm-hmm. They keep getting better and better. And if you've not yet registered, please do so now while there are still tickets available. Go to wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. Also, you might want to take advantage of the VIP tickets where uh, of course, everybody is important, but we have a narrow group. I think you described it. I loved how you said it. it's like people that really want to go in deep. They're ready to go in deeper. Um, the VIP package includes several meals. Um, it's going to be, you know, us as speakers are going to join those Q&A opportunities and really the networking. That's what I think one of the things, Dave, that we have really noticed is how people are connecting within the Wealth Builders community because God's called them to something um, that's very like-minded. And so when we create those smaller group opportunities, I think people can really connect. Yes. All right. So um, here we go. Leading well in your business. And Dave, you're going to be talking at the event, um, you know, in you're one of our business coaches, but also you you are, as I mentioned, an amazing leader. You are just coming off of being at Gateway Church for over 16 years. We just got back from Bethel at the leadership conference where you were actually on staff uh, fairly early on to help with some of the development. And then recently, which many of you know, listening to it, you're part of the Wealth Builders uh, family. You are now joining Andrew Womack Ministries as the executive director of Army, which is leading pastors and uh, leaders, which is the world that you have kind of functioned in. And uh, we were teasing with, not really teasing, actually, that's probably the wrong word, but kind of laughing about how amazing like the resources as a family. I was talking to Levi and Carly and they were talking about when they have kids, how they're going to homeschool and how they're going to zoom in um, us as parents on these topics. And it was so cute because Levi said, Dave is going to talk about, we're going to have him do a course for our kids on leadership and culture. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you are so right, Levi. He is amazing with culture. 
and uh, leading and leading well in business. So Dave, I'm going to turn it over to you to kind of start us out and uh, just introduce us to this topic of leading well in your business. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Karen. And I'd like to say that uh, actually part of my leader development is uh, because of people like yourself who, because a leader has to be a learner. And I would say that's very important. It's Mm -hmm. not so much what you do as who you are. And if you're a learner, if you're willing to learn, that's very powerful. In fact, the Bible in leadership studies, so there's there's actually an entire class at Fuller Theological University Mm -hmm. that breaks down a leader. And every leader in the Bible, which there's only one out of four were successful, Every leader had three things in common. They had a passion for God. They were still teachable, and they left a legacy. Wow. Now, in our previous podcast, we actually mentioned wealth and how the, the importance of leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. But part of the, the key roles of a leader is, is really to have a passion for God, because when you get close to his heart, he's the best leader of all. Yes. He's, Jesus is like CEO, like there's nobody else. Even though you're the CEO of Amazing, uh, <laughs> Jesus is a great CEO, so we follow him. And so there's that passion for God, that which is, a, and there's the learner position. Mm-hmm. I have to be teachable. That means I, I could actually learn from anybody. Right. And sometimes we, we decide who's going to speak into our lives and who's not. But really, part of the leadership part is, is being open. So one of the things that we have here, we're, we're joking around, of course, but we're talking about if you could wave a magic wand over your staff mm-hmm. tomorrow, <laughs> how would you describe your colleagues? <laughs> and sometimes we want that in life. We just want to take a magic wand, wave it, or do the, the nose. Yeah, the bewitch thing. Yeah, twinkle, twinkle thing. And uh, life doesn't just really work that way. I mean, there's some of your staff that, or colleagues that might be wishing they could wave a wand over you. <laughs> yeah, your second question. <laughs> yeah, the second question is if your staff could wave a magic wand over you, <laughs> how would they describe you? How would you become? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so leadership here is so important. And the role of a leader We have a few ideas here, but one of the ideas that we'd certainly want to say is a leader has to be safe and they have to create a safe environment around them so that everybody can actually experience opportunity, which might mean risk Mm -hmm. and it might mean like falling or or a misstep, but uh, being a safe person and creating that safe environment too, where there's a culture where people have a mutual honor and respect Mm -hmm. for each other. So there's a trust, and in that trust area of culture, you can actually speed up the results that you want in life because there's trust. Yeah, that's really good. And and we've actually got here that the role of leadership is leaders intentionally build an internal quality that drives the organization. The journey of quality and excellence includes the foundation of a healthy culture. Mm -hmm. Now, this is actually evident in the Old Testament, and we're going to tie it to current day as well. But in the Old Testament, the Bible has leaders, whether it's a Moses or a Noah, that each of these leaders, Abraham, Mm -hmm. they intentionally built internal qualities about the way of life, what they were experiencing. 
And sometimes God would have to remind them, like in Joshua, he would say, hey, as for me and my house, I don't know about you all, Mm -hmm. uh, he's like from the South, but (laughs) I'm going to serve God. I don't know what you guys are up to. And then, and then God would help him adjust that quality by saying, okay, if you do follow me, if, if that's what you're intending to do, then things are going to go really great. If you don't follow me, I'm not going to hurt you. You're actually going to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. So leadership with an internal quality of like a family, a community, a business has always been present. But what's interesting about this is that Harvard University did a study mm-hmm. and they developed something called the service profit chain. And in the service profit chain, they talked about the importance of leadership. And the statement they made about leaders is that they have to develop these internal qualities that drive the organization. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the organization is fragile. That is so good. And I think we did a podcast on that. We did. Yeah. You, you actually teach us at Karis Bible College. I do. Yeah. I do it's in the so business good. school. But um, you could even go to wealthbuilders.org. And if you just put in uh, like service profit chain in the search, the blog, or the, or you can go back through the podcast. But it, it is a phenomenal teaching. And this does kind of tie back to that, although that's not the direction that we're going with this one. It is definitely a helpful teaching. Mm-hmm. And it sets up at the top. Yeah, so um, we've identified eight roles of a leader pertaining to a company's culture. And so you might want to, again, get a notepad out, some paper, and write these down. We're going to touch on these. This isn't all of the roles of a leader but it's just eight of them that we uh, really identified that really contribute to the culture of your company. Yes, and and I'd say, oops, I kind of uh, jumped ahead. That's okay. <laughs> All right, so we've got here the number one job of a leader is to build that safe culture that you were talking about where people motivate themselves. I think a lot of leaders are like, what? I I don't have to motivate. You know, I remember a conversation that I had when I worked at Mid-Country Bank. I had the opportunity to work with some really amazing leaders. And um, I had a day where I was driving Bob Hatcher, who was our CEO, around Southern Minnesota. And he actually asked me this question. Oh, wow. He said, how do you motivate people? Okay. And so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, here I am. I'm like wanting to be impressive to the CEO. So I was listing some things. And he said, Karen, um, you can't yourself motivate people. People have to motivate themselves. And then he went on to talk about something called like sticks and carrots is one of the things. But in here... One of the things we're identifying is when you build a safe culture, it fosters people motivating themselves. Can you give us just a little insight into that? Certainly. When people are feeling safe, what they are actually feeling is a a reduction in their social anxiety. Mm -hmm. Why social anxiety? Because everybody's afraid to fail. Everybody's afraid of, of rejection. And if you like have a person be safe and they feel like they belong, Mm -hmm. then they feel like they can actually, uh, they're safe. They feel like they belong. They feel like they can contribute and they feel like they can perform. Now we actually talked about this on a podcast recently, the five stages of a high performing team. Mm -hmm. So that first stage is safety. And when a person feels safe, they, they feel like they can actually take a little bit of risk and they're not going to get slapped down or fronted out yeah. or or made to feel like they were really blowing it. 
And, and that's the attitude of a leader. And that helps the attitude of the worker. In fact, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, he said that he always hires people for attitude and trains them for aptitude. That's so good. And part of the attitude is he wants them to come motivated. He wants them to come with his, uh, this is my own words, but mm-hmm. essentially, he wants them to come with their own battery pack. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want to like be the person to charge them yeah. up. Yeah. So he wants them to come, but he realizes that if he's not safe and the culture's not safe, he's going to drain their little battery because their little battery is going to be like, uh oh, mm-hmm. maybe I better not say something. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't take a risk here. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get protective. So that's part of the culture of safety, is it actually brings out the best in people. That's really good. So the first one is um, to build a safe culture where people motivate themselves. The second one, and you briefly mentioned this too, is that the leader to be safe and create a safe environment for people to to thrive. And um, this is a little bit different than a safe culture, but it really puts the responsibility of us as leaders to be a safe person to be able to create an environment to thrive. Yeah, it does. I I recently had an example where I had an employee that reports to me and they were making a decision, but they weren't quite sure about it. And I said, no, you're fine to do that. And if if it doesn't work out, just just tell them that that I approved it. Mm -hmm. Well, what that did is I took all the pressure out of the the situation because they could like do what they're gonna do And I mean, both of us didn't think that the, it was going to be a problem at right. all. Uh, however, what it did create in them is the idea that I've got their back. Mm-hmm. Like if something goes sideways, I, I'm not going to jump on them too. I'm going to actually say, no, I, I approved that. And it, it didn't work out, but that's fine. It was, that's on me. So that is a really great way to just help people in the culture build that trust and relationship that really wants them to thrive. Yeah, that's really good. Number three is to reduce social anxiety. Social anxiety is composed of motivation and fear, failure or rejection. Uh, So Dave, share with us a little bit about how important it is to reduce social anxiety and how to do it. Okay, sure. I mentioned this a little bit earlier because I kind of accidentally got ahead of this. But everybody that comes into an organization uh, people in life, they just don't want to fail. They, they don't want to be a reject. They, they really want to perform and do well. But a lot of times when people come into a new situation, especially employees, they're kind of wondering, like, the, the biggest question in their head might be, what's expected of me? Mm-hmm. And so what a leader can do is they can help them by making sure that the expectations of the organization or their role is very clear. Like, I'm working in a situation right now where somebody has a role and they're really not clear about what is their role, which really means I don't know what people expect of me. Well, that's not a good situation to be in. So one of the things that I would do as a leader is I would come in and I would provide the information to help the person understand what is expected. Mm -hmm. Because the most dangerous thing in a relationship or in a business is to have an expectation of somebody that's not met and is not talked about. Mm -hmm. Because then you're totally blind. You, you have no idea. You have no idea how to succeed in your job. Right. And then someone comes and says, you didn't, you, you didn't like meet you know, requirements. You're <laughs> like, I had no idea. No idea. Yeah. You know, Dave, we do business coaching. You're a coach. I'm a coach. Frank Pulley's a coach. 
And this is something that we see a lot um, that it actually comes out in the form of onboarding. Mm -hmm. So we have landed there a lot with organizations where when we have gone through the processes and the tools that we go through with the coaching, um, we have identified a gap of onboarding. And that onboarding of helping people understand what it is they do, the job description, um, getting them equipped and trained in the area of their job description, and then actually setting forth performance reviews based on that, it really helps people to say, you know what, I know how to succeed in this organization. That in itself reduces social anxiety, especially if you're someone that really wants to do well and you want to honor God through your work, this can make a significant difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really can. So it helps to define the culture. And That's number four. Number four, yes. Yeah, define the culture. Uh, trust, respect, truthful, kind, fun, and work out differences. Um, one of the ways that we did this, I'm just referring back to the bank again, which was so helpful for me, is we had what we called norms, mm -hmm. okay, values and norms. And so the values were like, this is who we are, right? Honest, you know, whatever those are. And the norms are, this is how we treat each other. We have a sense of humor, uh, we listen, whatever that might be. And so in that, we're defining the culture. We're not letting the culture actually trump our vision, but we are proactively defining the culture. And so Dave, I mean, I know you do this all the time. What are some practical ways that people can, um, you know, say, hey, I'm going to define the culture as a leader. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. Sure. We, it might be good if we do this sometime as a little exercise of defining it, but you're answering, you're answering two basic questions. The first basic question is, how do I want to be treated? And that means you talk about things like, mm -hmm. well, I, I want to be treated in a respectful way. I want you to be honest. I'd like you to be kind mm -hmm. and, and things of that sort. And then the second question is, if we have a problem, what are we going to do? How are we going to work that out? Mm -hmm. And that's some of the defining elements. Like, And this even works with a husband and wife. Like for you and I, we have a, a verse that we use, um, for example, Psalm 1611. And it says that God has made known to us the path of life and in his presence is fullness of joy. Mm -hmm. So if something comes between us and there's a little bit of a rub or, or whatever that might look like. We're not feeling joy. <laughs> yeah, joy's left the room. <laughs> so. Does that ever happen? No. <laughs> so let's, let's stop here and find out like, because it's not God. It's yeah, not like, why did joy leave the room, yeah. right? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're both leaders. And we're, we're strong leaders and we have um, leadership skills, but what we do is we want to actually come into a place of like harmony and peace. Mm -hmm. And so this is part of what a leader does is a leader like fills the atmosphere. And I don't mean feel like weird in a weird way, but you know, you, you can kind of feel like if there's not joy in the room mm -hmm. uh, and that's part of the sensitivity of the heart of a leader is to like be aware mm -hmm. Like, how is my team doing? And sometimes as a leader, we might want to jump to more like the, the results of like, hey, how's that project going? Versus like, hey, hi, how you doing? Yeah. And, uh, oh, you know, my dad died. Oh, sorry, how's that project going? <laughs> you know, it's, 
It's like being sensitive and being aware. That is so good, Dave. Number five is maintain consistent quality and inclusion across the field with people. Now, we don't mean the worldly definition of inclusion. Right. um, But uh, help us understand this. What what are we saying here with maintaining consistent quality and inclusion across the fields with people? Sure. This means that as a leader, whether you're leading your own home uh, or if you're a small company or a large company, that everybody gets the same kind of love, care, value. They're, they're, in your eyes, you consider them to be precious. It's so good. And you're not treating somebody better than somebody else. Now, I would treat you better, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but in in the reality of business life, everybody feels like like they're being respected and and handled in an honoring way yeah. that's consistent across the board. That's really good because, you know, there are, in a way, you could say hierarchies in an organization. You've got maybe, you know, the CEO, then you've got the C-suite, then you've got the directors and all of that. Um, And in that way, there are positions. But one of the things that I I really learned is is that, hey, um, nothing happens in this organization unless everybody in every position is doing their part. Mm-hmm. And it kind of helps as a leader to realize that the only reason that I'm actually able to be a leader is because I have this amazing team that is fulfilling all these um, responsibilities of the organization. And whether they're a director or whether maybe they're a part-time employee that's that's uh, doing, you know, maybe what would be considered manual tasks, None of the success that I'm experiencing or none of my ability to be a leader would happen without everybody on the team uh, contributing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of changes it from a like, hey, I'm your boss, whatever, to like, thank you so much. I could not function in this position without you. And and that's actually the truth. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think is is just very helpful to remember and helps us to just be thankful to God for all of the team members called to our business in the area that they're called. And I think that just helps us as leaders to really appreciate people. It does. All right, the next one is to demonstrate participation with and concern for employees to spend time personally developing and coaching. What does this look like, Dave? Okay, this is very similar to the previous point because it's it's not showing favoritism uh, in the one hand, like the previous point. In this point is you're having a consistent idea of helping people actually develop. Mm-hmm. And it's not just saying, well, I'm going to help a couple people here and those other guys are on their own. Yeah. It's really being consistent and helping to develop and coach. And it takes more work because Mm -hmm. you have to be aware. You have to be aware of where people are and not just spend time, first of all, with the person who's problematic. That's not a good spot to spend a lot of your time because there's the 80-20 rule. Uh, 20% of your team might be producing 80% of the results. And you want to really pay attention to those people. 
Also, if you're innovating ideas, you have the instant adopters, which is 5% of the population, the early adopters, which is 15% of the population, then you have the 80%. So you have 80% and the population are what's called laggers. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean there's something wrong with them. It just means they take more time mm-hmm. to adopt or participate. And so you want to actually spend quality time with the first 20% and build cohesion because that helps you with the other 80%. But you don't forget the 80%. That's the point here. That's really good. Is you want to develop everybody and just realize that everybody has different like clock speeds. Mm-hmm. And you want to like be aware of who they are, how they how they respond to coaching. And if you have a person who's a real lagger, you, you don't get on them. You just coach them for where they're at. Yeah. Because that's how it goes. Like, like Jesus, when Thomas, who was a lagger, mm-hmm. by the way, <laughs> he said, oh, I'm not going to believe unless I see it. I mean, I, I, I want to see it, touch it. And Jesus showed up and said, hey, you know, check it out. Uh, yeah, look, put your hand in here. <laughs> touch. And Jesus didn't rebuke him. He just said, blessed are those people that don't have to see and touch because, you know, they're going to get further ahead quicker. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. All right. Number seven is responsible to have the pieces in place. This is talking about the roles of a leader in quality internal systems. All right. So we talk to our business coaching clients about this a lot, systems, because if you want to be scalable, duplicatable, you need to have systems. Um, But Dave, share with us from the perspective of a leader, how important this is as a leader for the people that are on our teams to have the pieces in place in quality internal systems. Yes. Well, the leader here in this case is the kind of person who's actually looking around and figuring out what needs to happen here for everything to be available for my high-performing team. So if a leader checks out and says, well, that's not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to put the pieces in place. <laughs> uh, then that is that is not a good demonstration of leadership because a leader needs to be like looking and envisioning and um, forecasting mm-hmm. and creating a future picture and realizing, okay, if that's going to happen, we've got to have these pieces in place for people to be successful. So the quality internal systems are very critical for people to actually get their job done. Like like if they were showing up to work and they didn't have their tools, they'd be really frustrated. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that happens in a lot of situations where, where people get given a responsibility, but they don't give the, the quality systems in place or the, the tools necessary to get their job done. Yeah, and that is so the good. leader's role. That's really good. And number eight is measure and address culture. People feel appreciated in that situation. They're completely satisfied. So Dave, how do we measure and address culture? How do we know we're doing a good job? Yes. Okay. This is really a good point because you can measure culture by the the close connectivity that's in an organizational structure because there's two sides to every organization. There's the people that do the work, and there's the work that people do. And sometimes what leaders want to do is they want to focus on the results, the work that people do, but they don't actually like have ways to measure the culture, which is the people that do the work. And so a measurement system might be um, uh, having talks with people where you start your day 
And maybe in your day, you, you actually say, hi, how you doing? You engage a person. And when you engage them, you're making like eye contact, you're emotionally present. You're asking a question like, hey, how's it going? You know, anything going on? Uh, how was your weekend? Mm -hmm. Little questions like that. Well, the measurement of culture is generally the, the kind of like the family atmosphere, the friendly atmosphere. Like you can even see this in some of the, the even if even a, like sometimes at a church service, you go to a church service and the service ends and you have people that kind of hang around and they're mm -hmm. just talking. And you can measure by that kind of quality of culture that these people aren't just like hitting the door and they're gone. Mm -hmm. They, they want to stay around and just talk and visit. And um, that's a real healthy representation of culture. I think actually that's really interesting too. Like um, if you are a pastor of a church, like many of you are that are listening or some of you are, if you just pay attention to that, yeah, that might give you a pretty good clue of engagement, right? Or if you have a staff meeting and uh, you kind of watch like, hey, what are people doing after the staff meeting? Are they hanging out and talking? Or are they bolting for the door? That could be like, a really easy indicator. Yeah, it could be an indicator. And part of it too is actually looking to the idea, do people feel appreciated? Yeah. That's a way to measure culture. Because if you're constantly driving somebody, but you don't appreciate their work, you don't acknowledge them, you don't honor them, and you don't like talk to their contribution, somewhere in the back of their mind, they're going to think, you know, I'm not really appreciated. And mm -hmm. I'm not, I just... I'm just not here with my whole heart. Right. I want to go somewhere where I'm appreciated. Yeah. And uh, we've done like engagement surveys. I know like with Mid-Country Bank, when I worked there, we did one across the organization after we had completed four conversions in five years, which was a little crazy, uh, which was a, a tough one, you know, when you look at the engagement, but it helped us to measure. And then we would measure it again. We put actions in place measure it again a year later, but there are three levels of employees, um, that are, you know, in this area of engagement. So can you step us through those, Dave? Sure. These, these are statistics that were developed out of a, um, a company wide thousands of companies, uh, interviewed by Harvard university and others that essentially figured out that in any particular organization of their findings that they worked in, 29% of the people were fully engaged. So like roughly three out of 10 employees. Wow. And what they found out is that fully engagement, they were there with their head and their heart. Mm -hmm. Like they came to work on purpose. It wasn't just a paycheck. And it wasn't just something in their head that they were doing, but they, they really had a heart to do what they mm -hmm. were doing, which is really a powerful indicator for a leader to help build the purpose of like, this is why we're doing this, mm -hmm. the why behind things, not just the what. Because if people are just doing what, the activities, and they don't really know why we're doing this, like, then at some point they might feel like, I'm not really making a difference. Yeah. And if I'm not making a difference, then I'm just kind of like showing up to work, which was the second part, the non-engaged, which means people are showing up just for the paycheck, yeah. was 54%. So wow. like, like five out of 10 employees were just really there kind of clocking in, clocking out, just getting by and making that paycheck. And then you've always got some people, which in this study revealed 17%. Wow. They were the people that were actively disengaged. And what that means is that they were the complainers 
and they would even sabotage. Now, when I say sabotage, I don't mean something like like damage something, although that's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean things like maybe passive-aggressive behavior where they'll say, oh, yeah, I'll do that, but then they don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they sabotage something where they, they someone's like relying on them for something and they don't they don't follow through mm-hmm. and essentially the whole thing starts to break down because of them yeah and so it's important when we talked earlier about the leader who's who's being aware of the culture when you find these people which is maybe almost 2 out of 10 those are the people you have to really work with to, to say, hey, I, I, I want to get you, you know, some help here into the organization. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking in your head or you need to be thinking, if you can't help them get engaged, mm-hmm. then you need to help them out. Because people essentially behave themselves into an opportunity yeah. and they behave themselves out. So what a leader does is they're looking at behavior and you're looking at people like who's showing up to work uh, with their head in their heart, who's showing up to work just for the paycheck. They're doing okay, but they're they're not excited really about what they're doing. And uh, who's the people that are the real complainers, <laughs> causing damage? Wow, that is so good, um, Dave. This is excellent. And um, again, I just want to remind all of you listening that this is a type of content that you're going to receive at the upcoming Wealth Builders Conference. We'll be able to go into a little bit more depth on these topics. If you've not let, yet registered, please do so. Go to wealthbuilders.org forward slash events. We start out, we've got an early bird going, then um, we kind of keep that price as low as possible. But as we fill up, it starts to increase. And so don't hesitate to register if this is on your heart, if God's just encouraging you to be a part of it. You can come in person and then take advantage of the VIP package, the Young Entrepreneur Session, or you can also join us online. Again, go to wealthbuilders.org. And Dave, let's finish up with um, what we've kind of labeled a helpful tip uh, that is in Ephesians 4. So Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says this, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. Can you just uh, finish this podcast out by tying this into leadership? Sure. As a leader, one of the things that, that people that you're leading appreciate is when you walk in humility. And it doesn't mean that you have a low self-esteem at all. It just means that you're not a prideful, boastful, self-centered, selfish, me, 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 me kind of a person. But there's really like this beautiful, genuine humility about you that is also gentle. It's not pressing on people, it's not overbearing, it's not pushy, it's not manipulative. But it's really the kind of patience where you you just kind of like work with the person where they're at. And in a loving way, you bear with them because you're wanting to help them. And one of the things that you want to do in the culture by maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, that's the beauty of the culture. Mm -hmm. That's the atmosphere. You walk into places like people walk into our home and they say, Mm -hmm. oh, so peaceful here. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because we've done a lot to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of Mm -hmm. peace. And we create that atmosphere. And so that's what you're really doing as a leader is you're you're carrying the peace of Jesus, which really transforms and changes situations. 
and you're walking in that place of humility to love people. That's so good. I, and I know at Wealth Builders, we talk about this a lot, that you know we want our events to be peaceful. We don't want them full of stress. And the team is just so amazing. And uh, we've had people that have came in, they're like, my goodness, it just feels so peaceful here. Well, I like what you said. That's not by accident. Mm-hmm. When you realize that that in this, that that unity of spirit, that peacefulness is definitely something that God desires. And as you put some things in place to prioritize that, it really benefits your organization. And of course, you and I like to be in a place of peace, as many of you do, all of you listening as well. So when we foster that in leadership and create companies and cultures that reflect peace, it's really a blessing for everybody. Yeah. All right. So, hey, Dave, would you uh, just finish out this podcast by praying for our Wealth Builders family? Okay. Father, I just want to thank you for each person listening. And I thank you that uh, the way leadership works is that leaders are not really born, but they're built. Uh, they're, they're really built up in the power of God. They're built up in the love of God. They're built up in the, the wisdom and the knowledge. So I just thank you the way you're building each person listening that they'll be a leader that really reflects uh, just the the kindness, the goodness of God, and also the creativity and uh, just the the power of the way God moves in our lives as a leader to really bring transformation in the quality and culture of our our, uh, individuals that we lead. Just thank you for blessing each person and for meeting them and for each person to receive the words that you have for them and to really be able to walk those out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dave. And thank you, all of you, for joining us and being part of this Wealth Builders family. We love and appreciate you and make it a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Builders Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show. If you want to learn more about who we are, visit our website at wealthbuilders.org and check us out on Facebook. We'll see you next time.